Welcome to the new WellMed Radio, a service of WellMed Medical Management. Over the next half hour, WellMed Radio will educate you about the health and wellness of adults everywhere. Co-hosts Dr. Marissa Charles and veteran broadcaster and attorney Ron Aaron will share information to improve your health and well-being. Here are Ron Aaron and Dr. Marissa Charles. Well, thank you very much and welcome to WellMed Radio. I'm Ron Aaron. It's a delight to be in studio today with uh, Dr. Marissa Charles. We are separated by, uh, well, close to six feet. Close, close I would to say. Six sure, Ron. Feet. And it's really great to see you. Thanks for coming in. Well, it's nice to see you too, Ron. And we enjoy, uh, enjoy co-hosting these shows with you. We, we do a lot of topics, and it's interesting because what we're dealing with today, back pain, self-management strategies, millions of people, millions have back pain. That's true. And it's, it's a very common concern and complaint in the office. Is that uh, no matter what the age? It doesn't really seem to, to matter too much. Of course, in our seniors, we see it even more. Wow. Mm-hmm. Well, we've got an expert with us on our WellMed Radio hotline. Dr. Lindsay Argo is a, a physician with USMD Clear Fork and USMD Las Colinas up near DFW Dallas area. Back pain and self-management strategies is one of the areas in which she works. She's Board certified in physical medicine and rehabilitation and sports medicine, specializes in non-operative management strategies for common muscles, bone, and joint injuries, including low back pain. And you show me an athlete, I'll show you something with low back pain. Dr. Argo earned her medical degree from the University of Virginia, where she was inducted into the Alpha Omega Alpha Honor Society, completed her residency in physical medicine and rehabilitation at Harvard Medical School, followed by a fellowship in sports and spine medicine at Northwestern University. And Dr. Argo, thanks for coming on. Oh, thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. What led you into uh, dealing with pain? Uh, you know, you always guess because you had a lot of pain. Um, so my my family, particularly my father, has been struggling with back pain since his late 20s, and I think that kind of molded me into into exploring what are options outside of surgery that I can do to try to help people like my father. And I'll tell you, as I've gotten older, I struggle with it. So in a selfish way, I'm glad I went into this field so that I can help myself a little bit too. But I think that that family tie originally got me in, but it's just the breadth of the problem, I just think we need a little bit more focus on this topic. I'm glad to hear you say outside of surgery. Obviously, surgery can be a solution, uh, but is it the first choice, the first go-to? Probably not, right? That is correct. Uh, There are many steps that I would recommend taking before kind of going down the road of surgery or even meeting with the surgeon to make sure that you're, you know, a good candidate before you step in the door. And, and a good candidate is what? Oh, well, so it, it really depends on where you are in the process. So a lot of people will have a single flare of acute onset back pain, and that will go away with time. So many people in two weeks, if they just wait it out, they'll start to feel better. And then there's a cohort of people where it'll linger a little longer and they'll go around 10 weeks. And then once they get to that 10 week point, it'll go away. And that's about 50 to 60% Mm. of people. So if we can teach them strategies to just kind of, I don't want to say grin and bear it, but manage the pain during that time frame, you can avoid a lot of surgeries early on. Um, 
once you get past that point, then it's really working with your doctor to say, are there other medications or possible injections or exercises that we can do that are going to help my back without surgery? And then if you get to that point where the answer is no, which again is a a very small portion of patients, that's when we get to the surgery question. Knowing you were coming on today and Dr. Charles will get a kick out of this, yesterday about uh, one or two in the afternoon, puttering around the house, doing stuff, uh, I twisted in a way that pinched a nerve self-diagnosing in my left mm-hmm. hip. The pain was incredible. My hip was on fire, literally felt like it was on fire. I couldn't walk. I, I couldn't hop. I couldn't get around. And I said, oh, I got to make it till we talk to Dr. Argo. I got to make it till we talk to Dr. <laughs> Argo. And I tried all kinds of stretching and relaxation. And uh, finally, when I stopped thinking about it, it went away. I will say distraction is one of the best techniques that we have when pain sets in. Simple things like um, you notice the pain and you have a picture from a recent vacation that's sitting near you, and you just take a minute to not think about the pain. Uh, Think about something else, and that in and of itself can be a big part of it. Um, And then there are other things that are more common, like medications that we can get at the drugstore or patches that we can get without a prescription that have very low risk that'll just kind of get you over the hump. But like you said, distraction is one of, it's a great tool. And the fire that I felt in my hip was so real and so powerful. I don't want to feel that again. Well, so a lot of times when people use terms like you're describing, like fire or burning or pins and needles, that that tells me as a doctor that it probably is coming from a nerve rather than a joint or a muscle. Um, And so that can be, I'll say that that can give me information on the best way to treat you when you come see me. But also, if you were to go to the store, I might tell you to try something like, um, I don't know if you've ever tried any of these, but the pain patches, uh, there are different brands, but like uh, for example, Salon Paws or Asper Cream or the store brand of Lidocaine 4% patches, that nerve will calm down. But if you put a, a little patch over, give you a, some numbing, it'll calm that burning down so you can get over the hump. So that's something you can try. But then the other thing is to pay attention to the move that you were doing when the pain flared up. And be cognizant with your movements in the future to try to use good mechanics when you're lifting or bending or twisting. Yeah, hindsight is twenty twenty. I wish I could exactly. remember what I did. By the way, if you just joined us, you're listening to WellMed Radio on 930 AM, The Answer. I'm Ron Aaron. We're talking pain, back pain, self-management strategies. Dr. Linza Argo is with us. She's with USMD Clear Folk and USMD Las Colinas at DFW. We're talking about non surgical ways to address uh, all kinds of back and lower back pain that strikes folks. And, and Dr. Uh, Marissa Charles, our co-host, you were mentioning that a lot of your patients complain about back pain. So What, what of, do you do? So, you know, that was going to be one of my questions for Dr. Argo. So when you do have a patient that comes in with an acute onset of lower back pain, what are some of the activities and exercises that you generally recommend for them to try yeah, to reduce so the pain? The- the first thing is is I want to make sure it's not something urgent or dangerous. So I'll usually ask a few questions just to make sure they haven't had any fevers, 
They don't have a history of uh, a trauma that would make me think that there was a fracture, so a fall from a height, or they don't have really thin bones, so they don't have osteopenia or osteoporosis. And once I rule out the, the kind of scary things, which is less than 1% to 3% of patients come in with those things, um, then we talk about what movements are most painful to them. So for patients um, that have a lot of pain with sitting or bending forward, um, I tend to start with exercises that get them standing up straight or bending backwards a little bit called extension exercises. And the opposite is true where if patients have a lot of pain where they're standing up and walking for prolonged periods and it improves if they were to kind of lean over a shopping cart or hold on to a walker or cane, then we start by doing exercises bending forward called flexion-based exercises. So to me, it's less about what, you know, an x-ray is going to show me. So I usually don't even get the x-ray. It's more about what the patient tells me is comfortable or uncomfortable and then moving the body in the direction that provides more comfort. Wow, what a concept. Doctor listens to patients. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yes. and, and that's true because many patients do come in expecting an x-ray the very, very first visit, and um, perhaps that's how we practiced in the past, but it really does not give us as much information as one would think for an initial acute um, episode of low back pain. Absolutely, and overall, my goal is to let patients know that it's okay to move even if you're having back pain. We want you to keep moving. We don't want you to sit down um, in bed and rest for a week or two weeks until it goes away because that actually makes it last a little bit longer. So if I can get you moving in one direction or the other, you know, is bending forward more comfortable, is standing up straight or bending backwards more comfortable, that can be very helpful. And for patients who might not have a doctor that they can get to easily, there's actually a book that I recommend all the time to patients that's written by a physical therapist named Robin McKenzie, and it's called Treat Your Own Back. And it talks about what we call directional preference movements and finding the movements that are more comfortable for you to keep you moving in a more comfortable way when your back is hurting. So that's the first thing I talk about. I agree. That's an excellent resource, and we use that with our patients as well. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. And when you think about uh, exercise, uh, especially in light of this COVID-19 pandemic, uh, folks are uh, self-isolating at home. We're not going anywhere. Uh, We're not doing anything. Uh, it's almost like that freshman 15 when you go to college. This is the COVID-20 that people are packing on because we're simply couch potatoes. How do we learn to exercise in our home uh, to overcome that, doctor? I I would say that this has been one of the biggest issues that I've seen in the last few months personally is that people have been much more sedentary and prolonged sitting is one of the, the worst things that we can do for our back, particularly if you sit um, like you're at a computer desk and you're bending forward a little bit like you're typing on a computer. It, it puts a lot of pressure on certain parts of your low back that are, that are more likely to be injured, particularly the discs in your low back. And so I've seen a lot of people having flares of back pain simply from sitting too long. So I try to talk to patients a lot of times via telemedicine about 
setting a, a, a reminder every hour. If you're sitting at your computer working from home for four hours or six hours or just watching TV for a long time, set a reminder every hour to stand up for five minutes at the end of the hour and walk around. That's great just advice, Doc. Changing, yeah. yeah, just changing the position of your spine can help relieve that pressure on your disc. I do it. I set my own reminder. If you don't have something like a, a smartwatch, you can yeah, just can put that. an alarm set in your computer and it'll do it for you. Um, the other thing is I try to give people walking goals. So depending on what someone might say to me in an initial encounter, I will usually give them a tangible step count goal because walking is one of the best activities we can do for our spine before we develop kind of chronic back pain. So if you've had a flare of acute pain and we want to prevent it from becoming chronic, we want to keep you moving and walking can be great. If you cannot walk out in a neighborhood because it hurts too much, and you have a friend that has a pool, walking in a pool and just counting your steps with a basic pedometer can be great. Um, and I try to get people to go up by about 10% per week with an end goal somewhere around six to 10,000, depending on the patient. And that can be huge just to give, uh, give yourself a goal. I like that. We're going to talk more about it. I'm Ron Aaron. We're talking on our WellMed Radio Hotline with Dr. Lindsay Argo. She's USMD at Clear Fork and USMD at Las Colinas DFW, back pain self-management strategies, and she is a specialist in rehab, physical medicine, and sports medicine. Our co-host, Marissa Charles, is with us. I'm Ron Aaron. You may be experiencing anxiety or stress regarding all the news about COVID-19 or what is commonly referred to as coronavirus. You are not alone. Optum is opening its emotional support helpline, providing access to specially trained mental health specialists. This is a toll-free number and it will be open 24 hours a day, seven days a week for as long as necessary. This is a free service. Anyone in need of emotional support is welcome to call. The number is 866-342-6892. That's 866-342-6892. One more time, 866-342-6892. Well, let's hope this heat ends soon. 104, 105 degrees over the weekend. I'm Ron Aaron. We're talking about not only physical kinds of injuries that people have, but the kind of pain that comes. And we're going to find out from our special guest, Dr. Lindsay Argo, whether it's true. Old folks just hurt. Our co-host is here as well, and she would know the answer. Dr. Marissa Charles. I'm Ron Aaron. Uh, Marissa is with Wilmot at Ingram. And, and Dr. Argo, it, is it simply a fact that, hey, old folks just Earth. I would disagree with that fact. <laughs> Me too. Um, what I would say is that um, over time, particularly related to the back, parts of our back are going to change. And those changes, because they happen with aging, are often termed degenerative changes or wear and tear changes of your spine. So we know if we go and get an MRI of a hundred patients that are over the age of 60, 
about 60% of them will have degenerative changes, but most of them won't have pain. So just because our back changes over time doesn't mean it necessarily hurts. So I would say we're all going to develop some degree of degenerative change in our back, in our hips, in our knees, but that doesn't necessarily equal pain. And when you think about uh, that being an excuse, perhaps, my mother used to say, you know, Ronnie, she was 90, she said, you know, Ronnie, everything hurts. And I'm sure everything did hurt. Ask me if she did anything. No. She could. Mm-hmm. She could walk, but she didn't. See, that's and, why I, I really like how um, Dr. Argo was talking about um, the movement goals and trying to get people to use all that technology that we have available, pedometers, if you have that, but if not, you know, just trying to make an effort to increase activity on a daily basis. And yes, a lot of us are stuck um, at home. There's so many people that are working from home now and um, that are limited because they're afraid to go out because of this coronavirus. Um, do you have any other activities that you recommend for um, exercise inside the home, Dr. Argo? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the, the two other ones that I talk about a lot is um, there are a lot of different videos online. And one in particular that I find to be helpful is doing restorative yoga or um Yen yoga, those are the two types that are about kind of very slow movement, sustained movement. So it's not a lot of high-level balance or stretching, but it's great for core strengthening. And you can watch a YouTube video on restorative yoga, um, and that can be a great resource to do at home. You don't need any equipment. You don't need any weights. Um, So that's a very basic one. If you have difficulty standing up, they have modified versions. So you can search for chair yoga and watch a a chair yoga video and do the same poses where you're going to engage your core muscles, so your stomach muscles, your low back muscles, and even your glute muscles um, that can help with back pain, both prevention and treatment. Um, within WellMed, we're actually putting together our own series of videos that are going to be shooting at the end of this week that will hopefully be out in September um, so we can give you a direct link from your primary care doctor, if you call them, to a set of about three stretches and three strengthening exercises, depending on some questions that your doctor might ask you that can help out from home. Oh, that sounds wonderful. pretty good. Mm-hmm. I like that. Yeah. It's interesting because uh, people at home, people not coming in uh, to clinics as often as they should, people missing some of their uh, medical appointments. I have a good friend who's a veterinarian. She has so much business, she doesn't know what to do. And it's an interesting phenomenon. Mm-hmm. Her door flies open all day, phone rings all weekend, more clients than she's ever had. You know why? People working at home... Now we're paying attention to their pets. They never used to hang out and say, hey, look what Fido's mm-hmm. doing. Fido shouldn't do that. Boom, take him to the vet. And so mm-hmm. COVID-19, not good for anyone except veterinarians. Except veterinarians. That's pretty funny. <laughs> and, and the challenge, you know, Dr. Argo, and I, I know uh, here in San Antonio where uh, Marissa works, is getting patients to come into the clinic. They, they, mm-hmm. they have to keep up uh, those wellness checks, do they not? Absolutely. Uh, So much of medicine is preventing something before it happens or catching it early. So whether we're talking about 
back pain or whether we're talking about our colon or whether we're talking about mammograms or bone health, uh, it's so much easier to treat something early on than it is when we're playing catch up. So I would agree wholeheartedly both for back pain and for all these other preventative medicine strategies that we need. And the techniques that you all are using uh, at clinics to get people in and out uh, are designed to protect the certainly the patient and the clinic uh, from exposure to COVID-19. Absolutely. We've got many precautions in place. Uh, I know personally we're doing telemedicine visits. I actually offer e-consults to primary care doctors if they want to just ask me a quick question to make sure the patient needs to come in or not before they even send them over here. Well, that's good. And then once the patient gets it. That e-consult yeah. is great. Yeah, and then once a patient gets here, we have a number of precautions for in-office protection. So you really won't be near many other people, and everyone will have a mask on. So, so talk to I me. The, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. Talk the to benefits me. far outweigh the risks. Of going in. Yes. Right. Talk to me about uh, back surgery and, and some of the new uh, techniques that are being used that are touted as uh, – quicker, safer, no risk now, we're going to fix your spine, uh, and, and uh, use of electronic devices as well. Uh, do those work? Do the electronic devices work? Do uh, some of the newer, uh, quicker surgeries do anything for you? It depends on what your problem is. So there's no you know, one-size-fits-all treatment for back pain. Um, what I will say is that I would always try non-surgical options first. And when I personally recommend surgery to patients is when, when, when we have been working together for six months and we've both given it our all, if you are not getting better, it's time to talk to a surgeon. Um, or if there's an urgency, meaning if somebody has bowel or bladder dysfunction that is coming from a nerve being pinched, or somebody has progressive weakness in their, their legs, like they're dropping their foot and dragging it when they walk. Um, those are reasons that I would send someone to surgery. Once they get to the surgeon, if it is a single-level problem, because we have multiple bones and discs stacked on top of each other that compose our spine, if the problem is at one level and at one disc, um, then some of these new technologies can be helpful, and you can get away with the minimally invasive surgery. Um, you won't have a big scar. You won't have a big rehab process. Um, and that will be enough for a short period of time or for a few years. Um, but you may end up developing another problem down the line at another level. You, you know, you kind of go down that path. If when you come in you have a problem at multiple levels, you can't do that to all your disc and your low back. And that's where you go back to some of the more traditional surgeries where they have to um, remove part of the bone called the decompression, and then they would fuse the spine so it doesn't move too much. Right. And, and those, to me, are ones that I end up seeing patients that have decompressions and fusions a few years later because whenever you do have a surgery, in, in the best-case scenario, it helps. And, you know, you're feeling great, but you've altered the anatomy of your spine, which means that there are some downstream effects. So a lot of times people will develop pain above the level of the fusion or below the level of the fusion 
five years down the road. And so then we've just taken a problem and we've moved it down the line. So to me, surgery, even though we often view it as this is the fix for back pain, it's not really a fix. We've got to learn to live a life that is a little bit more gentle on our back and take a, take better care of it. As you think about the multiple surgeries people endure, I have so many friends who, well, going back for another back surgery, well, going back for another back mm-hmm. surgery, and I want to say to them, maybe it isn't working. Mm-hmm. I do say that. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, I'm biased. I'm not a surgeon. Um, I see the, the patients that come to see me are patients who have often had surgery, who have failed surgery and are looking for alternatives. So I do see a biased patient population. So I'm sure for every you know one patient I see that has failed, there's another one out there that's done well. But I just I think it's important for people to know that back surgery isn't something to take lightly because it affects your spine forever. Um, wow. So I, I agree. Often, That's I a good way to look at it. That, yeah, I think that it can be helpful to, you know, if you're thinking about surgery, make sure you've tried everything non-surgical first and get two opinions. I really appreciate you coming on. Unfortunately, we are out of time. And, and Dr. Argo, you've been a delight to talk to. And you may be at risk of being invited back, if that's okay. I would love to. Because not everybody makes that cut. We'll talk with you again soon then. Thank you. <laughs> Dr. Argo up there in the Dallas area, Clear Fork and Las Colinas, USMD. I'm Ron Aaron along with our co-host, Marissa Charles. Thanks for listening to WellMed Radio. Thank you for listening to WellMed Radio, a service of WellMed Medical Management. We welcome your emails with suggestions and comments on this program at radio at wellmed.net. And please be sure to tune in next week for another edition of WellMed Radio.